This interview is made possible by my friends at Athens Screen Printing, HP Overhead Door Company, Speedy Tech Repair, Tinsley Law and Title, and Gibson Pharmacy. Their sponsorship allows me to provide free content to the community. Please say thank you by shopping these local businesses and by following each of their Facebook pages. Hello friends, this is Michael from Hannigan Media and I am still in the courtroom of County Judge Wade McKinney as we prepare on take two of the Intro to the County podcast. How you doing today, Judge? Doing good, Michael. You? I'm doing <laughs> great. Um, and it's uh, so good. Last week you actually took over the podcast and interviewed um, our fire marshal about the, uh, the fire marshal's new um, uh, responsibilities as far as emergency management goes. Yes. Uh, you and fire marshal Shane Renberg. And so uh, we're going to do the same thing today. I thought that was a really cool thing. And uh, I don't know if you know it, but we're in an election year. Really? I, I'm not. I wasn't sure you knew. Oh. Uh, and early voting began yesterday, so we are going to welcome in uh, elections administrator Denise Hernandez to the show to talk about what's going on. I'm going to let you handle it. I'm going to go over there in the corner and sit down, take a picture or two, and uh, enjoy the show. So uh, let's bring uh, Miss Hernandez up. Sounds good. Come on, Denise. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. And um, folks, as you know, this is uh, Miss Denise Hernandez, who is our elections administrator. And Denise, we've worked together for a long time. How long have you been with the county? Uh, well, I've made 21 years in August. 21 years. And you've been doing elections even before you became elections uh, administrator. Well, I work for Milburn's office, so, you know, the voter, the voter registration portion of it. Right. Cause and so. Many folks forget that before the elections administration was created, that elections were actually held as a conjunction between the county clerk and the tax assessor collector. That is correct. Uh, I believe Gwen had about uh, 15 people working under her, which would work mainly the election portion of it. And then Milburn's office handled all of the voter registration. Okay. So there was about 18 people who handled the elections during that time. 18. How many, 18. How many do we have now? Smaller portion of Smaller. that. Smaller. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I actually, I have four full-time. And right. with myself, it's five of us. Right, because elections previously were done as they were a major responsibility and taken very seriously, but they were handled in a part-time type fashion, given that the two offices had uh, jurisdiction over it. That's correct, so, yes. And when did, when did we create the elections administration? Uh, well, I was appointed uh, the 1st of January in 2008. In 2008. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen a lot. I mean, you've seen us go from paper ballots to electronic and jumping back and forth. Uh, tell us what you, you've seen change. Oh, I've seen uh, numerous things change. Of course, you know, with legislature, it changes every two years, you know, and something always changes. Um, the biggest portion of it is, I think, is that we changed during that time period it was going from the big old paper poll books and now that we have them in the kiosk so every location has 
I remember that. I remember that. Because mm-hmm. used to, when you'd go in and vote, you'd have your workers there, and you'd give them the identification, and they'd flip through these massive books. <laughs> yes. And it wasn't that that book was for just that location. It was for the entire county. During early voting, it was. It was wow. for countywide. So you're talking about huge... I, w- I don't even know what you call that paper that would have the line. The green line, green the bar, green, the green, green bar, bar paper, paper right? right? And so you had these huge books. Right. And it, if you were a junior or senior, then it threw you at the back of the book so they could never find that person. It, it would take about a 20-minute to 25-minute process to find somebody. And so now when we come in, present your license, swipe it, yes. and you're there. I you're mean, there. That is so much more efficient, and it really helps with the workers. Definitely. And, and you talk about how we move from, and folks, you don't know this, but back, Denise and I used to have these clashes about mm-hmm. should we vote paper, should we vote electronic? And um, she always reminds me of that at an opportune moment. And I do the other way because I will say in the beginning I was for paper ballots because I would say, Denise, I can vote more people that way. And she would say, yes, but. And and that's true. Um, You have to hang on to them. (laughs) I was like, you know. You have to house those for 22 months. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever been inside my office, every inch of that building is consumed by some kind of document, some kind of uh, piece of equipment, records for days. Right. Uh, you know, so my big thing was not necessarily to take away the paper ballot, but was to get us to where we are now. Right. Uh, vote centers to where you could go anywhere in the county. Because we couldn't be a vote center if we were That's still right. that way. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. You had to be all electronic, right? Right. And for the people who don't remember, a vote center on election day is very similar to early voting where you can vote at any location in the county, whereas under paper ballots, you couldn't do that. That's correct. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, no, that was good. And, and that's a huge change for us. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a change that's very favorable to the voter. Right. You know, they're not having to try to rush to their specific precinct actually to be able to cast a full ballot right so that's helped us a lot yeah Uh, it it really has when you offer more options because we have people running errands uh, commuting back and forth to work either tyler dallas or even inter-county commuting which we saw in uh, the past election was many in many individuals driving into athens to work and they voted here Yes, yes. Um, I, and you could tell that because of the numbers we were receiving, right? Right. 881 voters just here at Henderson County Election Center uh, for a gubernatorial. That was just unseen before, right? right? Mine was one of the lowest turnout. But because we're, we're creatures of habit most times, mm-hmm. we're gonna, and we voted there maybe one time a previous year during early voting, well, now they come here anyway. I mean, just like yesterday. We turned out almost a thousand voters. We were one shy of a thousand voters yesterday. In Athens. In Athens. At the Texan. At the Texan. Wow, and that just shatters any. Oh yeah. Anywhere, especially yeah. a first day first of day. open vote. How many total did we have vote across the county yesterday? Twenty three ninety five. Twenty three ninety five. That's almost four hundred. That's almost five percent of our entire roll. Yes. In one day. One day. Wow. That that is a lot. How how did it work in the three locations? I know we're having COVID mm-hmm. um, protocols we're following with spacing and mm-hmm. all of that. How's that going? Uh, well, I, you know the Texan ran like a well-oiled machine. It just ran so smooth. I just hope the rest of the two and a half weeks goes as smoothly. 
Um, Lakeview, they did real well. It's now, a new location for them. Over, in, over in Seven, seven points. points. Okay. Uh-huh. We took it out of the city hall over there because there really wasn't enough space. And we put it at this other location that's right across the street at the Lakeview Assembly of God. And uh, it's going well. Uh, they did over 500. I think it was 500 and, oh, no, 627. In one day. In one day. Wow. They've never seen that number before. Right. Yeah. And so that was good. And, you know, Chandler pu- pushed 769 out. Yesterday. Chandler Chandler at the community at center, the community Chandler, center. has always been a, a great location and has worked rather they well have. over the years, hasn't it? They have. Um, usually around the last day of early voting in Chandler, they have them lined out the door. Really? Yes. And it's it's funny because at the Texan, they were out the door all day long. All day. All day. Wow. Uh, and it's a huge place. It is. And the way that I have it set up, they have to practically walk to one side of the door to get checked in. And then they just make a horseshoe. And uh, it worked so smoothly. Pe- you know, voters weren't crossing each other. Uh, they were getting checked in. They were voting. And they were leaving. And it was it was a good day for us. Well, with the change in the removal of having the straight party balloting or straight mm-hmm. ticket balloting i'm sure that's kind of slowed the process down some but is it is it real noticeable you know um i almost forgot about it yesterday really right because that it ran so smoothly yes it took people a little more time i think what concerned them the most is that our machines have this little fell slave right so if now you, these are the new machines these are our new machines that we just got from um, election systems and software mm-hmm. and so um they're a ballot marking device so as people were voting on it if they chose to skip a race it reminds them after each race so i think that was the most alarming for some voters they were like is this going to count i was like well what it's telling you is you didn't vote in that previous race you can go back and check it It, you're going to see it's not marked Uh, so that was the most most of the problem that they thought oh was this not going to count i said well you know just remember at the end you're going to see a summary page Mm-hmm. And then after you print it out, you'll have it all printed out. If there's any discrepancy at that point, just let us know. We'll get you a new ballot. You can start all over again, right? Because this is your ballot in your hand after it comes out of your machine. Right. So this is how you marked it. And it's not cast until you put it into our scanners. Right. So when we walk up to the machine mm-hmm. now, the machine is actually marking the ballot for us on Correct. paper. Whereas before it was with a pencil, well, a while ago it was, was with, a, with a pencil, you know, we'll go back to them. But um, actually we have the machine doing the marking for us, but it is not cast until you carry it over and slide it into the machine. That's correct. All right. That's correct. And it went well. Um, <coughs> you know, we made, we made changes, you know, as far as CDC recommendations, and the line just went through real smooth. So um, I know somebody who I knew, when, once they got to the front table, I asked them, how long do you think you were in line? And they said, 20, 20 minutes, Denise, maybe tops. Really? And okay. so the three check-ins have helped. I have three check-ins at the Texan. I have three check-ins in Chandler. I only did two in Lakeview because it's still kind of a smaller place in comparison to the other two. Mm-hmm. But um, it seemed to be running really, really smooth. And so we probably had about 40 curbside voters yesterday, too. Really? 40? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, how are the um, the volunteers, the, uh, the poll workers that we rely so much on, how are they? First, how many would, would you use in early voting? 
Um, okay, well, I have 12 scheduled in uh, the Texan. Uh-huh. I have 10 in Chandler, and I have six in Lakeview. I think that really they're going to need two more, so we're looking to put two extra in there. That will have them uh, not eating lunch at one and two like we did yesterday. <laughs> right. Well, so. uh, are, they've adjusted well to the, to the new system, the new equipment. They're they're doing awesome. I have several new ones um, that are working the selection, and they actually did a really great job. Um, the way that you can tell somebody's going to be a really great uh, worker is they ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. and um, I like that because they're they're genuinely concerned about doing a good job. Right. And so it, it worked really well. I have two working early voting here in Texan. I have a couple in uh, Lakeview, but they're catching on really well. Are we seeing an increase in younger individuals wanting to be poll workers? Or are we still relying on those that would be more in the retiree bracket? We have a lot of retirees. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people just aren't willing to give up their regular jobs to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's life. unfortunate. Right. I mean, but really and truly, you're not working the polls to, to become rich, right? Right, right. You know, it's they a, do it out of a sense goodness, of responsibility. Exactly. And so, you know, and, and that's good. I mean, that's fine. Um, but, yes, they're younger than, than what we've had, mm-hmm. but they're still retirees. Because right. when you have 150 hours of, of early voting and, and you have a full-time job, there's just no way you're going to be able to work them. And being a poll worker, you're on your feet for oh, God, how many yes. hours? Um, ten hours minimum, probably. Ten hours minimum. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one other thing, uh, and then I want to ask you to close us out. The the addition of the Texan and Lakeview Assembly um, being a part of, really before COVID, the discussion about we, the, the county had assumed this was going to be a very large turnout and was looking for um, expansion of these polling places. And then with the COVID, uh, COVID-19 protocols coming in, it really became urgent. Uh, locating these sites, uh, this is the Lakeview and the city of Athens, and, of course, Chandler's always been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, having them, how important it is that, that we had those partners to work with? Oh, I mean, I... After seeing what we saw yesterday, uh, there's no way we would have, those people would have got voted yesterday if we'd have still been in our location. I mean, they would have wrapped my building twice uh, right. and, and not wanted to stay because we wouldn't have had the room for that many machines as we do in the Texan. So it's been crucial the way it ran. Uh, and we wouldn't have been able to do it without the cities, you know, allowing us to actually use the Texan. It, I heard so many voters yesterday say how well it ran yesterday. And it, it just made me feel good that they noticed it, that they, right. they go, Denise, you could have never done it at the other place. And I said, you're right. right. I said, but I could have never done it if the city had not allowed us to use the Texan. Right. Right. And, and that was just a big portion of it. Even uh, Bonnie Hambrick came out and she voted yesterday. And she was like, oh, my God, Denise, it just ran so smooth. And I said, it really did. I, you know, it made me proud that it ran so smoothly. Like I said, it was very uneventful yesterday besides people coming in and vote. And I, I loved that. Well, uh, it, 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 is, it is. 
It's safe to say, and really a great deal of um, thanks and gratitude needs to be given to uh, Lakeview Assembly, the City of Athens, and our continued partnership with the um, City of Chandler and Chandler Community Center. It definitely does. I mean, we couldn't have gotten these 2,400 voters voted yesterday. Well, I know. And also with the, the poll workers, they are the backbone that makes it happen. That's true. I mean, it takes quite literally the whole town to run an election. Uh, there's no way I could ever run an election without all of my election workers and my staff. Yeah, your staff. The, the, my the, staff. They are some unsung heroes as well. I mean, they really are. I mean, just um, in the last two weeks, we've worked 160 hours to prepare for this election. In two weeks. In two week period. Yeah. Yeah. Worked a whole month in two weeks. And uh, they are just go-getters. Uh, I could have never accomplished this without them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it quite literally takes everybody. And, and it's you've made this happen, too. You know, you getting involved, the commissioners making the decisions to create, of course, the Henderson County LaRue Complex, which is a new polling place this time around. True, right? true. And On so, election day, it will be open yes, and ready. Right. right. And, um, you know, so... There, there's no way without you listening to me and and allowing me to come in to do this. Well, as we say, you know, county's team effort. But mm-hmm. before we go, what do you want to tell everyone out there about this election cycle? What what words would you give them? Oh, wow. Um, I, I recommend that they call us uh, so they can see what ballot style that they, they are actually voting on this time around. Because we have 17 entities at the end of this ballot. We have 95 different ballot styles. So if you want to grab a sample ballot, bring it in with you to help you move faster through your ballot, please do so. Call our office. We'll tell you what ballot style to print. It's on our website. Just give us a call. Bring it in with you. You can bring those materials with you. So there are 90 different, quote-unquote, ballots. If we printed them out, there would be 90 different ballots that would be used. Well, no, 95. 95, okay. Okay, wow. Well, thank goodness for technology. Yes, definitely. And yes, I will concede our long argument that (laughs) um, having the technology available to assist in our... um, and our paper ballot marking, which yes. I, I'll, I'll hang to that, um, has really been beneficial. Oh, definitely. And, and now you're getting your audit trail, right? That's right. your ballot that's falling in that ballot box. So you still have your paper ballot, per se, right? You right. still have that audit trail. Well, that, and so it's there. Well, that's great. Denise, you've done a fantastic job. We appreciate all the hard work you and your staff and the, the volunteers and the years of service that you've given. And... Uh, we hopefully we'll come out on the other side of this on November fourth and um, be able to take a big sigh of of relief that have gotten through such a demanding time. Oh, definitely. I know that my staff is looking. My staff and myself are looking forward to November fourth, <laughs> the day after. <laughs> well, Denise, thank you so much for all you do. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, wait a minute, don't go nowhere, Ms. Denise, because I have one question. Oh, Lord, what? Yeah, we get, now, we're, now we're diving around with microphones and everything else. No, this is an easy one, and it's a COVID-related one. Okay. So my driver's license is expired, but it because of COVID and DPS, 
it's really not expired. So am I going to have a problem when I come in with my ID because it's expired? No, that's a good question. Um, you're anybody between the age of 18 and 69. Your, your photo ID is still eligible and it still allows you to come in and vote unless it's more than four years expired. If you're 70 and over, then it can be more than four years. But as long as it's not expired more than four years, you're good to go. Perfect. Thank you. Judge, you'll be happy to know that when I noticed that is coming back from a football game last Friday uh, when I got pulled over. <laughs> and I had to give my license to Oops. the police officer coming back from Farmersville last Friday. Uh-huh. Um, Made but, for a fun conversation. Yeah. Actually, um, it, he was a very nice officer because he only gave me a warning. Ah, and I see. so, um, yeah, I was, I was happy <laughs> for that. But that's when I figured out that my driver's license was, <laughs> was a month out of date and um, that I could not – the DPS office isn't open to be yeah. able to go do that, and this is when I started learning about that. Um, so, apparently – this election has drawn some interest. It has. I mean, we we did. We forecast looking a couple of years ago already had begun talking about how this was going to be a big election even before COVID started. And uh, as you can see, to have that many turn out on the first day, and I'm sure it will, will go down um, as we move through the extended uh, early voting period. But that's just unbelievable that amount of votes in the first day it's kind of like opening opening season opening day of deer season yeah yeah it was it was pretty packed um all right so uh i'm i know that i need to uh reach out to mrs mckinney and make sure that um i give her the podcast starter pack that she can get you for christmas (laughs) so you can start working so you can start working toward that that after politics career, yes, as, I just want to go as around a with podcaster you. and uh, doing your thing. All right, so hey, seriously, that was a, yeah. that was a great interview. Um, Denise Hernandez does a good job over there. Her people do a great they job. They do. Over there. They do a great job. Um, and and I cannot um, for those who don't see it, you know. Elections are one of those things. Now we hear a bunch of different stuff in the in the media and the national media about the arguments over this kind of voting or that kind of voting. Well, the truth is that it comes down to individuals. Mm -hmm. And in Henderson County, that means Denise Hernandez and her people. And they work so hard to make sure that our people in Henderson County get the chance to vote and have their rights protected and do right. everything that they're supposed to do, and they do it right. And I, I, I can't say enough good things about um, what they do. You can't. And the, and the passion that can come along with your right to vote and from are, all different sides. Are you are you saying some people can get hot sometimes? Well, and sometimes there can be a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. And these um, men and women that work at the elections office and the volunteers usually are individuals that are left to to defuse the situation yeah. and to bring understanding. And it is. It is a difficult job, but they do it with passion. Yes. That, that, that's the only way to, that's the to only, really explain Well, that's it. the only reason you'd be there. Exactly. That's the only reason you'd exactly. be there. 
All right, so let's move on. Hey, it's uh, Wednesday, folks, so that means we have to do our COVID update of the week and find out exactly where we are in the county. As a reminder, uh, we are basically looking at hospitalizations when mm -hmm. the judge and I go through this uh, because they are the best um, the best stat to be able to actually see trends in other areas. There are daily dumps, right. daily data dumps, and things like that that can skew things. However, before right. we get into this, last week, NetHealth started a new stat that they're releasing. I think they release it every Thursday, I think right. is the plan. Last mm -hmm. week was the first one, and it's called the... Um, rolling the roll is the weekly. It's the seven day <laughs> rolling rate. Yes, is what it's called. Yes, and basic, in testing, in testing, in testing. Yes, and basically what it does is it gives what the average number of positive cases per day over the last seven days per hundred thousand population. Yes. And the reason they do that, I know some people got a little confused when we reported it last week for the first time. Oh, Henderson County doesn't have 100,000. No, Henderson County doesn't have 100,000. But the reason you do this is so that you can compare apples to apples. Exactly. And so that I can look at Henderson County and say, okay, Henderson County is now averaging 14.5 cases per day per 100,000. And look over at Smith County, which I think last week Smith County was at about 22 cases per day mm -hmm. per 100,000. And I can say there are more people turning up positive in Smith County than are turning up in Henderson County right. because we're comparing apples to apples. And that's why. So it does not mean that every day we're getting 14 cases in Henderson County. It's it the average. gives us an, an average of the trend so that we can see what's going on, which you and I have been begging for for about three months now. Exactly. A way to watch the trend. Right, because when as we have focused so much on hospitalizations we have admittedly said this is a lagging indicator of what is happening meaning that we're already at the point of i don't want to say no return but we're at a point where somebody is in the hospital sure and the if you have a better forecasting tool you can better be prepared or you can even um, assist and encourage augmentation of behavior so that individuals do not get to that point, or at least a smaller portion will get to that end point of being in the hospital. It gives us a much better <laughs> idea of what's actually going on on the ground. Ex so exactly, and you can and you can see that in the, in the testing numbers right. how it rolls up and down on a specific day. So that average is much needed. Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do. Uh, I know you have something you want to get into <laughs> about this. <laughs> Uh, however, before we do that, where are we today in Henderson County's hospitalization? And reminder to our listeners, what we're talking about is TSAs, trauma service areas. The state is broken up into 22 TSAs, which is the, the hospital regions where we're getting our stats from. Henderson County is in a 19-county area. 
with um, Tyler and Longview. It has about a million people in it. Now, how many hospitalizations do we have right now? The TSAG has 213, and we have been over that 200 mark, which we really did not see us getting back to uh, for a week now. Um, it had gotten up as high as 234, but has come down. But uh, we weren't it. I personally, and, and you had even said last week, you know, we thought we'd said goodbye to the 200. Right. Yeah. So, what, what this shows and what you're looking at the trend is that there's definitely been a jump there has. in the hospitalizations in our area, which tells us there's been a jump in the sickness in our area. One yes. of the other reasons we like to look at this um, instead of just cases and positives it's because you can have somebody who has a positive case is a positive who doesn't have any symptoms that's right isn't sick at all that's right and so what we really want to know is how sick is the community and what this is showing us is after coming down Mm -hmm. and, and it did it came down quite a bit um and we were looking good there for a month four weeks or so right um hospitalizations are climbing back up and and not slowly no No, it's going up pretty quick back to where it was um which tells us that there is more illness in the community again yeah we are 50 total hospitalizations 50 55 off of what our high was back in july our high was 272 in july right and um, we are seeing an increase. The, the thing that is encouraging is, is that from today, it, where we were in July, was the system and the operations were not prepared as well as we are today. Right. As to being able to handle not only the, the testing and the treatment, but um, just encouraging individuals as well. I mean, we're in a better position on how to deal with this. We have more experience. Oh, absolutely. So, um, though the, the numbers are trending up, and, and there's, there's no way to um, paint a rosy picture about that, but there is some solace to be found in the fact that we're better off now than we were in July in our preparedness. Okay, so back at the beginning of the month, Mm -hmm. the governor issued a couple of uh, executive orders. I forget the date. It might have been the end of September into the beginning of October. Yeah, yeah, middle of September. Middle of September. And um, it allowed counties to open up. It it allowed businesses, Mm -hmm. like restaurants, to expand, for instance, from 50% to 75% if hospitalizations were in a certain spot. Right. The 15%. Right. That, now, that has wait, become wait, the standard, yeah. The 15%. Now, I came in here today, and you were a little um, animated <laughs> about the 15% rule, we'll call it. Yeah. What, what can you tell us about the 15% rule? Well, the 15% rule that was created basically through Executive Orders 1331 was 15% of all hospitalized patients. So if you'll follow me on this, 15% of the individuals in the hospital. All right. So I got 100 people in this hospital. Mm-hmm. 
no more than 15% of them can be there because of COVID. Right. For the county to go into the expanded opening. That is correct. For seven consecutive days. And if we go above 15% for seven consecutive days, you now have to close down that expanded opening. Correct. Okay. Correct. That makes perfect sense to me. What could possibly be the problem? Well, when the executive order 32 came out, made a slight change to that, which went from all hospitalized patients to hospital capacity. Okay, so so it went from (laughs) patients to capacity. Correct. That 100 patients you spoke of. Yes. Under 30 and 31, we could have 15 COVID. Right. All right. Now, if that same 100 patients is in a 200-bed hospital, and there's no more than 100, our COVID patients in the hospital can move from 15 to 30%. Okay, so let's... Or 15 to 30, sorry. Yes. All right, so let's um, uh, let's break this down for those people like me who are not math whizzes. <laughs> All right, so if there's 100 people in the hospital... Mm-hmm. The rule, 15% rule before today. Right. And so we're saying this is October 14th. Right. This rule changes today. It takes today. All right. So before today, 100 people in the hospital, no more than 15. Right. Okay. As of today, we're not basing it on the 100. We're basing it on how many beds there are or how much capacity there is. Correct. To be specific. Staffed beds. Staffed beds. Staffed All right. beds. So if that hospital that has 100 people in it that yesterday could only have 15 COVID patients in it for that county to stay open, mm-hmm. if that hospital has the capacity for 200, today that means the number of COVID patients can double up to 30. Up to 30. All and, right. So that's a huge change. It is a huge change. And also, to remind everyone, we interchange county and TSA a lot in our, in our, in our talk. Right. So when we're saying this, it is actually that 15% of the entire TSA. Sure. But it's easier to understand when we, when we right. break it down to the single sure. one. Sure. But it is. It is a very large change. And when, as I mentioned earlier, the experience that has been learned over time, the lessons learned, the equipment that is now available, the PPE, the, the staffing. And remember in Tyler, uh, I believe it was Mother Francis or, I'm sorry, Christus uh, opened up a multi-floor addition, sure. uh, I believe in the end of July, in August, I believe it was. Yeah, so the capacity did increase. It's big. It, it is big. But it is when... When you look at the numbers, there is a true changing hey. of moving the goalpost. Uh, yeah, moving, moving I, the goalpost is that is that a is that a cliche that we can use here? I, I guess. I mean, it's another way of quantifying the numbers. But as we have tracked them, we have driven a stake in the ground as of today that uh, that denotes. This is what it was under GA 30 and 31 and GA 32 moving forward because the rules are the rules and we don't make them, we follow them. So the old, the old news guy in me says, um, as of today, 
more people can be in the hospital for COVID and it not affect the opening. Correct. Is, is that the is bottom a correct line. St- that's a correct statement. Yeah. And um, we don't know the reasoning. Um, we just, <laughs> I'll, I'll take one of your old lines. Uh, we don't know. We just report. That's it. That's it. I, I cannot tell you why. All right. I can tell you is the rule changed. Right. The upshot of the rule is that there can now be more people in the hospital for COVID reasons and not affect the right. expanded opening. Right. All right. So I got another one for you. Okay. One I didn't prepare you for. No, I'm ready. And, and one you're going to love. Okay. I think it was last week the uh, governor said, you know what? I'm tired of hearing from the folks who own bars. Yes. And so I'm going to allow the bars to open. Well, no, I'm not. I'm going to allow the county judge and the commissioner's courts to figure out if I sh- if the bars should be open in their counties. Yep. And so um, he threw that hot potato right on down to the county level. He did. And so tell us what's happening with that particular issue in Henderson County. That, given what we've learned uh, over COVID, um, was something that caught us all by surprise. And uh, we, I've said many times as we've had orders come out, is that uh, the old carpenter saying is measure twice, cut once. Sure. And we really took uh, three or four days to dig into what the order said, making sure the punctuation really you know, implied that's, that's, what and that's, it did. And that's no joke because yeah. one of the one of the proclamation, one of the orders during this whole COVID thing came down to a comma. Really? Um, mm-hmm. uh, it seriously came down to a comma, so that's not a joke, checking no, the punctuation. But um, we we determined that it was what it was. It, it's our choice. And so immediately we reached out to the TABC, the Texas Alcohol um, Beverage, Beverage Commission. Yeah. Commission yeah. And, and what we had found out was is that if we did go ahead and file the paperwork for it, that there were actually only four establishments that had not converted or closed to a food and beverage. So, so the entire thing would only affect four establishments in Henderson four County? Four establishments wow. in Henderson County because the majority of those types of establishments were offered an opportunity about two months ago to convert to a food and beverage license and would put them under the same restrictions of of opening and operating as a restaurant would be. And also with this, it would be four in Henderson County is all it would affect. And under the order and the proclamation, it puts those establishments into that same category, but at a lower opening because they can only have 50% capacity. Right. Whereas the other establishments that are food and beverage have a 75, 75% just like now. the restaurants. Sure. Because there was, there was a lot of argument about what's yeah. the difference between me going to a restaurant that has a bar and going to a bar. So sure. th- th- they really grappled with that. And a couple of interesting things is in there is, is that um, you have to stop selling, if you're one of those four establishments, you have to stop selling alcohol by 11 p.m., uh, you cannot be up mingling in the normal 
um, what would be conceived or individuals would believe that goes on where they're not up mingling. No dance floors okay. are a- able to be used whatsoever. There are a number of restrictions, and uh, they uh, TABC has given strong uh, assurances that they're going to take complaints seriously, which they actually have an app now for your phone that you can download. And it's pretty hefty if there are some uh, violations to the opening clauses that the, the governor's laid out and we um, actually filed that paperwork Monday okay and there are 85 counties in the state that have chosen to do that and incidentally most of them are in the north central and east Texas areas when you look on the map that TABC has put out but um, I was really surprised at how small of an impact that doing that the reopening would be because of how everyone had shifted to that. I believe they have to stay because the breaking line was, is your revenue a 51% or more of alcohol sales? And that was the break point on it. I believe now it is that those locations can get as high as 60%. But they got to sell the food. But they have to sell the food. All right. So, so, we did what we call in the business a little bit there. We buried the lead. Um, mm-hmm. yes. so, the, so on Monday, you filed the paperwork to allow bars in Anderson County to operate. We did. Um, interestingly, from what I'm hearing, though, is after research and everything, this is only going to affect four establishments in Anderson County because – most of them have already made a shift they have. where they're selling some more food so that they can operate under a restaurant license yes. instead of a straight bar license. Exactly. Uh, and TABC, I'm assuming, has helped them with that along the way to try and yes. keep, yes, keep people in business. When we spoke with um, Net Health representatives about the possibility of this and other individuals around was that what the overall feeling is, is that it's not going to be a um, huge uptick in individuals um, consuming or looking for that type of location. What you'll be having is more than likely a redistribution of patrons, whereas uh, many of the patrons that are currently at other locations that prefer this other setting will move from those to these four (laughs) locations. That makes sense. But uh, we did send communications to all four. Um, Our county attorney, Clint Davis, sent communications with all the guidelines and a reiteration that the protocols must be enforced. Right. Well, you know, the other part of that is, and it's sad to say, but I look around and, and I see it throughout, but... You know, and I, and I go home and I tell them, uh, uh, my wife, yeah, Henderson County doesn't believe in COVID anymore anyway. Um, I mean, when you look around and you see the number of people who have just decided, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of the, and, and I'm going to point to Our the numbers, hospitalizations exactly. going up and everything else, but it, it seems like, you know, people have just decided this is it, and it, and it, and it really bothers me that it's become such a political issue rather than a health and science issue. And you know, I, th- I think that has had the biggest impact on individuals throwing their hands up. 
Yeah. Says so I'm done. Yeah. Just I'm done. done. And I would just I won't say it specifically here for Interscan, but I believe that's across I, the I, whole. No, whole I board, totally agree you know. with you. I, I agree with you. I think, um, and I think it breaks down maybe um, big city and rural. I think right. urban areas tend to be a little more with the masks and things like that. I'll agree whereas with that. urban areas are um, a little more likely to. Go away from stuff like that. Yeah, and and like you said, you just point to the numbers and see. I mean, you can even point to the testing, which we hesitate from doing that. Our testing numbers have increased. Sure. I mean, they have, yep. and of course the hospitalizations have. But uh, we continue on. Uh, we take solace in the fact that our health care system is better equipped to handle um an increase or current just in general, it's in yeah. be, in a better shape than it was previously. But, you know, again, this is 2020. And if we truly want to see the numbers down and stay down, we have to continue with some responsibility yeah. for ourselves. Well, this is 2020, which means I have no idea what's going to happen oh, next week. Uh, next yeah. week I may come in here and we'll talk about the fact that uh, Martians landed oh. on the county lawn. I read a deal yesterday in Sweden, the Hadron Collider. Yeah. They've got that thing turned way up and they're perfect. And, you know, and it's going to tear a black hole right in the middle about. of the that's earth. That's what they're talking boom, about. It's dead. 2020. And they said, oh, of yeah, we're course. hoping we'll find these little black holes. Yeah. And did you know that gravity can seep through? And, and it's like, oh, could, God, here could we, we go. Could we just, <laughs> could we just. Turn the large <laughs> collider off until 2021, yeah, I mean, please. It's like you said, Martians. You know, oh, we're in Lord. the movie Mars Attacks. All right. <laughs> well, we have gotten we've gotten to the Large Hadron Collider and Martians, uh, so that signals to me that it's time to wrap up this podcast. There you go. Thank you very much, Judge, for inviting us in so that we can take a look into our county government. We look forward to talking to you next week. Appreciate you, Michael.